Welcome to episode number 71 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast, where we're creating a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we have a case study. We're talking about a metal dust explosion in a 3D printing application in 2013. So 3D printing and additive manufacturing and the use of combustible plastics and combustible metal dust is a really important topic. It's something that's growing. It's a, a set of industries that are growing quite rapidly. It's something that we talked about on the podcast before. Back in episode 33, we had Jason Reason on talking about explosion and fire safety and 3D printing applications. We also covered it in episode 58 with Glenn Saraduke as well, talking about firefighter education and combustible dust incident response. We also jumped into some things that he's seen in his experience in 3D printing applications, and in particular with metal dust as well. I want to revisit this with a, a case study, actually, um, of a real incident that happened in, and unfortunately caused injury to a worker in terms of third-degree burns back in 2013. And there's a, a reason for this. I'm hearing more and more kind of misconceptions around 3D printing and just a general not a high level of awareness of the potential hazards that are involved. Things might be said like, well, it's all inerted anyway, so you know, why do we care about a, an explosion hazard or things along that line anyway that will come up in this episode and come up actually in this incident around ignition control, around safe facility siting, around the use of the proper materials, um, knowing if your materials are water reactive, like a lot of combustible metal dusts are, knowing what kind of fire extinguishers to use. And there's a lot of things that I think just fly under the radar in these industries because they're growing so rapidly. So I want to share this incident just to highlight the breadth of things that can go wrong and, and what's actually gone on in this particular case. So in this in this specific episode, we'll talk about the background of the incident that, that we're talking about. We'll give some information from an OSHA news release on the incident. We'll talk about the OSHA citation report and five takeaways from that report in terms of you know, what went wrong or what was not being adequately done at this facility in terms of protecting from fire and dust explosions or dust fires and explosions. And we'll leave off with some points to consider moving forward for education in this space. So I want to make a note on this. The cause of this incident and the actual timeline of what happened has not been identified or released publicly, or at least not to my knowledge. So I'm really just going on this OSHA news release for what happened and also going through the OSHA citations. So these OSHA citations are a list of things that they found, a list of violations that were present when they investigate the facility. I think it's safe to say that were present at the time of the incident but they're not necessarily the cause of the incident. That hasn't been released publicly to my understanding, or at least you know, at the time of this podcast recording. So these things that we're talking about are can be thought of you know, as potential ways that this incident could have happened or potential things that could have gone wrong and were actually received OSHA violations for, but the actual cause in the incident sequence has not really been identified. And we'll talk a bit about the end of, at the end of the podcast episode on what I think might have happened, but I want to make a note that it doesn't really matter these hazards and these hazard scenarios were all present and any one of them could have led to this incident happening. So this metal dust explosion occurred at Powderpart Inc. out of Woburn, Massachusetts and happened on November 5th, 2013. And according to a May 2014 OSHA news release, one worker, and, and he was the sole worker at the facility at the time, received third degree burns. And there were one or more 3D printers on site with materials handling titanium and or aluminum as well. The company faced $64,600 in penalties. And the 
news release states that the company failed to eliminate known sources of potential ignition, failed to follow equipment manufacturing guidelines, failed to notify the local fire department to the workplace presence of hazardous materials, failed to locate employee workstations in a place that was free from flammable powder explosions and deflagration hazards. And then in addition to these fire and explosion dangers, there were other serious hazards. These include include the use of unapproved electrical equipment, electrical equipment and wiring that were unsuitable for hazardous locations, failure to train employees on chemical hazards and safeguards, failure to supply employees with all necessary protective clothing, equipment and training, no respiratory protection program written in place, um, and a failure to post danger tags on potentially explosive areas. So it's just sort of an overview summary. We're going to go into more detail on the explosion-related violations, but I just want to give that summary. And I also want to give a couple quotes from this news release. So the first one is from Jeffrey Erkskin, OSHA's area director for that area or for that county or those counties. And he says that the fire and explosion hazards when working with titanium and aluminum are established, particularly when the materials are in powdered form. Just as it's easier to start a campfire with kindling than logs, it's easier for a metal fire to start when you're working with metal powder that is fine as confectioner's sugar. So he's making the point here that it's a known that titanium and aluminum are a combustible hazard, and I would say even a combustible dust can lead to a deflagration, can lead to an explosion. That's known and out there. And if you're operating in this type of facility and using these type of materials, you really need to know that's the case. And by you know these OSHA violations and, and even this incident happening, um, you're expected to know. So we'll just kind of leave that point there. And the second uh, quote that I want to mention is by Robert Hooper, OSHA's acting regional administrator for the New England area. And he says that establishments that use metal powders in this new technology need to scrutinize their process and take steps to prevent and protect their employees from fire and explosion hazards that arise with these materials. The market for 3D printed parts made from titanium and aluminum alloys includes the automotive, aerospace, defense, medical, dental, and jewelry industries. Basic safety measures must be incorporated into this 21st century technology so it continue to grow without harming employees who are building this new industry. This really hits on the point that I opened up this podcast episode with. This industry is growing so rapidly that we need to really actually fight and you know, really put a lot of effort into keeping safety first of mind as the industry continues to grow. And in these previous podcast episodes with Glenn Serduk and with Jason Reason, we talked about how rapid this industry is growing. Some things that we talked about in those episodes aren't even relevant today because they're not even doing it that way anymore. Um, that's one of the reasons why I, I want to bring this back up on the podcast. But even more than that, I want to illustrate some of these failures that went on in this case or some of these failures that could have went on in this case through these OSHA violations just to highlight some of these misconceptions I find are, are happening in this industry. So last thing from the news release, and we'll put links to the news release and to the OSA citation report on the show notes for this episode at dustsafetyscience.com slash 71. So we'll put links to those there. The last thing on the news report is the violations. They received one willful violation of $14,000 for the company's failure to have class D metal fire extinguishers, even though they, um, and I'll put in quotes here, knew the need for titanium and aluminum, knew that was needed for processing these materials. And the point about a, a willful violation is that it's one committed with intentional disregard for the law's requirements or with plain indifference to worker safety and health. So I, from my interpretation of this, and again, this isn't, I don't think, stated in the news report, my interpretation is that OSHA is saying that they should have known or did know that 
they needed Class D metal fire extinguishers at this facility in case of a fire, and that it was actually quite a large hazard if they didn't use these type of fire extinguishers um, on site, so they got a willful violation. They also had nine serious violations totaling over $50,000 for the remaining hazards. So that's really all the information I have for background on this incident. So on November 5th, 2013, there was a deflagration at a facility, caused third degree burns to a worker. The facility was a 3D printing uh, applicant or had a 3D printing application handling titanium or aluminum. And these are the citations and summary of the citations that were made available. So to dig into this more, I went into the OSHA database um, and pulled up the actual violation itself. Uh, and looked at the citation report that's along with it. The citation reports aren't in a very friendly format, but I will include the link to it um, in the show notes, again, at dustsafetyscience.com slash 71. For some reason, they, they publish them as a bunch of text that's jammed together without any spaces or paragraphs. But if you copy and paste that into a Word document, um, and with a little bit of effort and elbow grease, you can actually kind of break things out so that you can read it. So I went and did that and wanted to dive into what you know, what these violations were, what these citations were a little bit deeper. I came up with five takeaways from reading through this material. So takeaway number one from reading through the citation was that the employer did not provide any ignition source control for the employee while he was working. In particular, inspectors found that the sole worker was cleaning and working with the 3D printing machinery while it was open. So while the powder bed was open um, and had access to flammable oxygen levels, and that there weren't controls in place around things like static electricity. They mentioned that viable options could be electrostatic discharge cables or mats. Um, he was not using charge dissipating equipment. And this is really an important area. Glenn Sarduk in his podcast episode, again, back on episode 58, talked about how when you had the powder bed open, this is really a critical safety time because you are lost that uh, oxygen concentration reduction. You're no longer nerding that material. So then you need to be really careful about the ignition source that you have and the controls they have in place here. I think this is something that's often overlooked. You say that, you know, you have your system, it's inerted, but is it inerted all the time? Because if it's not inerted all the time, then you need to have ignition source control in the times when it's not inerted for normal operation like this when they were cleaning or abnormal operation when um, the inerting system maybe goes down or something goes wrong. Takeaway number two is that the employer failed to provide a reliable oxidant inerting system. In particular, they mentioned that there's insufficient controls and instrumentation on the inerting system. So they used oxygen sensors inside the system, but they didn't have any instrumentation to monitor the argon gas. And they actually wrote a citations and violation on, based on this. So I also mentioned that specific guidelines are outlined in NFPA 69, Chapter 7, Deflagration Prevention by Oxidant Concentration Reduction. They specifically mentioned Section 7.7.1, Instrumentation shall be provided to monitor the purge gas being supplied to the distribution system. And uh, the appendix in the appendix and then chapter section 7.7.1 again. The objective is to maintain the operation outside the flammable region. Instrumentation should have redundancy depending on the criticality of the operation. And they go on to give some examples. So two examples of ways to provide such instrumentation are providing the Aragon supply tank with a load cell and providing the Aragon supply tank with a reliable level sensor. So this specific facility did have a auction sensor, but that's not enough. You need to make sure you're following NFPA 69. I believe in that you need to, to monitor the purge gas or the, the gas they're using specifically, and it needs to be a redundant system because it's such a safety critical thing. If you're not relying on having ignition source controls and you're relying on the system being inerted, then it has to be inerted all the time. Otherwise, you're going to ignite it with 
the things that you have in there that aren't controlled for ignition sources. Reading through citations even more, the, the third takeaway that I found was around the employer failing to follow equipment instructions for maintenance and cleaning. In particular, there was a dry dust collection system that was not emptied daily or even monthly, as stated in the citation report. Um, there were wet separators that were not clean between handling different materials. So the concern here is that if you have um, a couple different metal dusts in there, they can actually cause a thermite reaction and, and cause ignition sources there or even lead to off-gassing of flammable gases. Um, and there's also a note on failure to ensure liquid levels were maintained in the wet separator. So these were all really around maintenance, cleaning, and following the equipment manufacturer instructions so you don't have hazardous things arise, like thermite reactions, like the formation of hydrogen gas, like ignition sources, or like the explosion you know, capabilities of these systems. And this falls right into then the facility layout, which is takeaway number four. We mentioned this dry dust collector was located indoors, that the reverse pulse filter that was inherent in the system or using the system inherently creates a dust cloud when it operates. So you had all the conditions have an explosion. You're just missing an ignition source. And because we had things like not um, having proper grounding and bonding, not having um, ignition source control, those ignition sources were present. They also mentioned under facility layout, the, an employee workbench was located next to a sieving station. So a sieving station would be, you know, a high area for having a potential explosion. But the workbench included powder storage and included unrated shop vac. So you have all these different possibilities for igniting a dust explosion. And then where they're located, it's in a, you know, in a place where it can impact, have direct impact on that employee because it's this workstation. Then the fifth and final takeaway from reading through the citation information is around fire response and first responder protection. So they mentioned a couple things here. Um, in particular, we, we talked already about not having Class D fire extinguishers on site, but they also mentioned that they failed to disconnect or remove a water sprinkler system. And water, when it comes in contact with burning titanium or burning aluminum or other burning metals, can actually cause hydrogen gas, which cause, can cause a hydrogen explosion. Um, they also failed to notify the fire department that they're using these water reactive titanium and aluminum powders. So in all these cases, you can lead to if you have a fire or even an explosion, but if you have a fire afterwards, using the wrong fire extinguisher, using the wrong sprinkler system, or the firefighters coming in and spraying with water can all lead to a very devastating explosion. And we actually saw this happen particularly in Eden Rapids in 2018 with a magnesium dust fire. Or actually, it was, a, it was kind of a scrap pile, I guess, of magnesium that was on fire and sprinklers went off. And if you read the, and we'll put links in the show notes the entry in the combustible incident databases, magnesium dust fire and explosions in Eden Rapids, Michigan injures two and cuts automotive parts supply line. We'll include a link to that in the show notes. But if you read through the fire marshal's report on that, it sounds like a horror movie. You have these, you know, big burning magnesium fires that are glowing white hot. And then when the sprinklers kick on, it's just explosion here, explosion there. Workers are getting thrown into door jams and I think maybe even breaking their arms or breaking their collarbones. And you have these very large explosions because the water is causing hydrogen gas when it reacts with the magnesium and then causing subsequent explosions. Very scary, very dangerous to have these systems in where you can have burning metal. So those are the five big takeaways then. No ignition source control was provided, failed to provide a reliable oxygen inerting system. Employer failed to follow equipment instructions for maintenance and cleaning, improper facility layout, and then first response and first responder protection 
were all areas that were identified in the citations as having issues with them, as potentially leading to hazards. So I guess the, the natural question would be, well, what really happened on November 5th, 2013? And unfortunately, I don't know the answer to this. What I would say is that it probably doesn't matter. We can probably think of five or six or seven different accident scenarios that could have led to a worker receiving third-degree burns in this type of situation. We have ignition source controls. We have combustible dust that's not inerted. Um, we have improper response systems. The facility layout's not really designed that well. Equipment's not maintained, so you have dust sitting in these different closed vessels you know, around the work area. They're all you know, potential ways that the uh, deflagration could happen and cause injury to the worker. Some news agencies did state that an incorrectly designed vacuum system led to charge buildup, but you can't really, or at least I'm not able to verify that at the moment, and I'm not really sure that's what happened from reading through the, the uh, citation information. There is one, one kind of line in the citation that says, consequently, the employer's use of a water sprinkler system, coupled with its pre-existing failure to disclose the presence of water-reactive titanium and aluminum alloy powers to the wood burn or the Woburn Fire Department create a hydrogen explosion hazard to which its employee was exposed when a combustible dust, metal fire, and explosion occurred, burning him and bringing the fire department to put it out. So if I had to guess, it sounds like there was a fire from one of the many potential pieces of equipment that had combustible dust in them, and maybe the sprinklers kicked on and caused a hydrogen gas buildup and explosion, which led to burning the workers. This is exactly what we saw in Eden Rapids actually happen in 2018. So again, it's important to have ignition source control so you don't have the fire or the deflagration or the explosion. It's also important to consider the response. Even if they didn't have the water sprinklers kick in, if you don't have a fire extinguisher there capable of putting it out or you use the incorrect fire extinguisher, that can cause an explosion to happen as well. So a couple main points I want to hear to take away here, and I think I have four, yes. So, and these are really main points for 3D printing and added to manufacturing. Based on the conversations I'm having with people on the podcast and even offline not, you know, not being recorded, and from this instance. So main point is that the, the first main point that I want to talk about is auction reduction or nerding systems are critical safety equipment. And that training and awareness is really critical with these pieces of equipment. So it's all fine and nice to say that you have a nerding system in place, but do you ever have a normal operation where you remove that inerting system? In the case of opening up your 3D printer, well, then you need ignition source control and you probably should have fire-resistant clothing as well for those workers because you have a very high hazard situation in those conditions. Then beyond that, do you have cases where under non-normal operations, the inerting system go? Do you have a reliable way of measuring that? Do you have a redundant system in place to measure that? You know, and training is really important to employees as well. They may not fully understand why the thing's set to whatever to try to achieve maybe 6% oxygen, and maybe they just bump it up to 8 um, And you may think that's something that doesn't happen, but it actually does. And I've heard it happening in and out of manufacturing. And then you're actually operating in flammable regimes continuously. And if you don't, you know, have that awareness or understanding of why it's important to have this inerting system in and when it's not in operation you may be operating under very extremely hazardous conditions. Next main point is you need to understand mixing and water reactive materials and what can happen. Google adding water to a, you know, a, a metal dust fire, the explosions are very severe, very rapid. You have hydrogen buildup and explosion that can happen very fast. And, and you can read the fire marshal's report from this Eden Rapids, Michigan incident. And again, it sounds like a horror movie. 
So you really need to be aware about this. If you have materials that are mixing in dust collectors or dust vacuums, can this cause a thermite reaction? Can this cause a, uh, if there's moisture in there, can it cause hydrogen or other flammable gas to form? Needing to understand these materials and, and how they react and why the equipment, maybe manufacturing guidelines are in place to avoid that is, is really important in these systems as well. Point number three is you need to involve your fire department. It's getting less and less acceptable, and this is if it ever was acceptable, to have a fire department, a first responder injured or even killed when responding to an incident. So you need to start the conversation early about your operation. Um, in many cases, this will do a couple things. Fire department may be more aware about the hazards, so they may be able to educate you a bit on them. But in, in particular, and in addition to that, having an effective and quick response will drastically reduce the loss of your facility when you have a fire. So if you, you know, you go talk to your fire department, they're going to, they may say, oh, you need a class D fire extinguisher. That may be enough to stop you from having your entire facility burned down. Also, if they're able to get there on site, assess situations, start attacking the fire more quickly because they've already been in there and seen your facilities and open up the 3D printers, um, things like that, then it's going to go a lot faster you're going to have a lot less, less loss from that type of incident. We cover this again in this podcast episode previously with Glenn Serdu. And the last point I want to say here is that there's a real need to understand ignition source control. And I mentioned this already in this episode, but one of the most frequent things I hear about AM or add to manufacturing is that it's inerted, so there is no hazard. That's just not true. There is a hazard. It's there. There's just an engineering control in place that's protecting you from that hazard. So the question is, is the engineering control ever removed in normal operation? They need to know, you know, you need to have other hazard controls in place. And is it removed in normal, non-normal operation? What conditions could cause it not to happen or not to be there? And that's why ignition source control is still critically important. Using correct equipment, using equipment that's not going to cause an explosion in these areas is really important, especially if you're, or in addition to your inerting system. Your inerting system is just an engineering control to protect you from the hazard doesn't actually remove the hazard from existing. The only way to remove the hazard from existing is not to handle these powders and these materials in the first place. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you found it interesting going through this case study for a metal dust explosion in a 3D printing application. Uh, we talked about background from the May 2014 Ocean News release, talked through some quotes there and what the citations were for. Then we actually dove into the citation report itself and talked about some takeaways around ignition source control, oxygen inerting systems, um, or oxygen concentration reduction and inerting systems, equipment maintenance, facility layout, and first response and firefighter protection. And I'll just close out by saying, yeah, these are all really important to consider in an industry that's growing as rapidly and as quickly as 3D printing and additive manufacturing. So I mentioned a number of resources in this episode, um, the OSHA news release, the OSHA violation detail, the uh, Eden Rapids, Michigan, uh, magnesium dust fire and explosions, We'll have links to all those resources at dustsafetyscience.com slash 71 for this episode. As always, I just want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Hope you have a safe and productive week ahead, and I appreciate everything you're doing and issues handling combustible dust around the world to make them safer every day. 